He slept in his parents' bedroom until he was 13. He wet the bed until he was 14. He doesn't know how to ride a bike. Apparently, he has friends. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. Wexel. Uh, this is Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. Usually what happens is I record my interview with the guest and then I would maybe stream a part of it. But given the state of California, we are going to fly by the seat of our pants, much like our leadership here. And we are going to stream our interview now on Socially Awkward, awkwardwithevan.com, at awkwardwithevan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we're just going to roll. And you guys are welcome to comment. If I see stuff, I'll, re- I'll reply to you guys. Um, but otherwise, I just really wanted to get on uh, this Facebook friend of mine. Uh, we met several months ago uh, when I was running for office. And I mean, I don't know, you wrote, she wrote something to San Francisco that like turned me into like a melted goo and it was amazing and she's fabulous. So all the way from up North, Erica Sandberg, how are you? Could be better. Definitely could be better. And I'm so glad I was able (laughs) to create melted goo out of I turned a comic into melted goo. That's not appropriate. Um, good. So I, yeah, there's so much I want to talk about with you. I mean, I think I initially met you. Uh, I don't know if I saw you in like that AB five group or you were looking for people to interview leading up to the primaries in March. Like, do you remember our origin story? You know, it's so funny. I actually can't remember exactly. I know I had something to do with AB5. And I was thinking, were you in Sacramento? Because no, you were not there. But we met We met in that wild time yeah. when people were fighting so hard against AB5. And people came together from all walks of life and all professions. You're a comedian. Yeah. I'm a reporter. <laughs> when do comedians and reporters meet? <laughs> when, when they're running for state Senate as a writing candidate. but And then you spoke to me about that. And I just, I just dug into that law and they're still trying to appeal that law. AB 25 is the hopefully provid- the one that, that undoes it all, but you never know. Um, cool. Oh, it's getting eroded. That is exciting. Yeah. And I mean, the idea of like, why should have, why you should have totally voted yes on prop 22. Cause I think it just, it gives them less leverage to assume that Uber and Lyft, were going to stay with Californians and try to like, help them out even after they invested all that money into it. I just, it didn't seem realistic to me. Um, so, so AB five affected, did AB five affect you? Cause you had like a 35 at first you had like 35 article cap per year. Okay. So I'm a freelance reporter and writer. Right. And so, yeah, there was a 35 per piece per client limit uh, for the year which was completely bizarre. So for example, I've got a couple of advice columns. Uh, They're weekly, 52 weeks in a year. So that kind of bounces out just that alone for a specific client. And then there's all the articles, the stories, the content, you name it. And you, it's so easy to exceed that minimum uh, within a couple of months. So it was untenable. The the whole thing made absolutely no sense. And Lorena Gonzalez, who was one of the main, she didn't actually write the bill, but she she promoted it heavily as part of hers. Um, She had no idea what she she was doing. She was complete buffoon, had zero idea about what this meant, what it was going to do to people out. I love the phrase, over her skis, she was over her skis. She plagiarized the bill, I think, from 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 unions. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was that was how it went down. Uh, So so like say so say someone is like freelancing for I guess what what was it like Vice Media or Vox Media? They so you could write 35 times for them and then you're done with them. But then you could write, say, for like, you know, the, the San Francisco Chronicle 35 times, but then you're done with them. So it kind of it just cuts your lot. It cuts you off just so much. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a limiting experience. So for example, as you say, you know, you've, like I've, I have many clients, many, right. you know, there's right. at any given time, I probably have about between 15 and 20 clients of people who I write for produce yeah. content for. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can hit that maximum with one, then move on to the next. Right. But there are people out there, there are reporters who only have two or three 
clients, right. which means they're toast. They either have to get new clients, which are hard to get, yeah. um, or they've got to quit because they will not be able to make it in this business. So that actually shuts down freedom of the press too, because we're talking freelance reporters, people right. who are doing really hard work to get the news out. And yeah. it, it had a big impact. See, they should have called it article distancing. That then it would even more acceptable. Yeah. Freelance <laughs> distancing. Yeah, it worries me always when like politicians try to get into making trying to make your life better when they're the ones that kind of put it there in the first place. Which is that they're just like the ironic thing. Like I was running for office so that we could have less of me around. Like there could be less government. I'm doing it to like to to vaporize as much as I can. Like I would find <laughs> my druthers. I would just tear up a hundred laws straight up. Um, you know, it occurred to me recently that um, what politicians do, this is this is their role now, it's not to serve the needs of the public, which is really sad, although there are a couple of really great exceptions, right. um, but it's to put their names, to attach their names to something that's going to have longevity. So it's, it's like a calling card. Look what I did. I yeah. did this. Whether or not it had a positive impact on the people or not, it was just like, well, I did this and I did this and I was the first here. And it becomes this crazy game of who can create the most bizarre legislation. And that's, that's what happens. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I want to ask you also about San Francisco, just in general, the climate up there. Um, I mean, I know Newsom was the mayor there and I know the mayor there's a little tone deaf because we need relief because I'm closing down everything here. Like, do, are people waking up? And to me, I feel like Sacramento, I mean, San Francisco is like the mm-hmm. hub of where I looked at Nancy Pelosi running for re-election. Mm-hmm. And in the primary, there were some legitimate alternative options. But when it came down to voting, she ran against a self-proclaimed socialist. So it's like, it seemed like that was what her district had to offer. Is, is it that bleak in terms of diversity of thought? Like, are people aware of like these closures are not helpful or? Yeah. At this moment. Yes. I'm afraid it is that bleak, which is, which is really horrible to, to say, but I'm actually slightly more confident now than I have been in a long time because I know a lot of people who are, are going to really become major challengers. And it gives me, it does give me some solace. San Francisco is a complete mess. It is, it is a broken down palace. Yeah. And uh, it's really disturbing to be inside of it. I've described it. It's kind of like being inside a corpse. That's what it feels like, which it's it's just the strangest experience. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember being there 30 years ago with my family. Great experience. I did a couple of gigs up that way. Seemed mm-hmm. fine. Um, but like, I see the protesting on like the people that will come out to support, you know, opening up. It seems very paltry and doesn't seem like there is much traction. I don't know. Is it people are just all inside? And there really is some. So, okay. for example, the restaurant owners, the restaurant and bar owners, yeah. they're really beginning to mobilize. Okay. And they're, they are so vested here. They have a clientele. They started here. They've got these beautiful restaurants. Right. Um, they've, this is their heart, their home. Right. They really are the ones who I think are going to be leading some major changes. Yeah. Um, and I'm working really closely with some, some of them because they feed us. They feed us. They give us the flavor. They give us what we, they, it's, it's so profound what they do. And it's kind of exciting to see them step up and out of the kitchen and out of their environment and going, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to go stand in front of a uh, city hall and I'm going to yeah. scream my guts out and they are doing it. Nice. And it's, it's really refreshing. Good. What, what Plus is they really bring really good bags. <laughs> what inspired then they that inspired you? Can you tell me more about like the open letter you wrote to the restaurants? Cause that that got me. I haven't been gotten much. But can I tell you, I, I have to say, I have I've shed a lot of tears. And yeah. I'm being dead serious. It, is, it has been an emotional 
roller coaster. Right. I am not the only one. People are literally crying about yeah. this. Right. Um, the city allowed restaurant owners and bar owners and fitness centers to open up um, these parklets. Mm-hmm. And I, do you have them where you are? The park, you must. Uh, probably. The outdoor space. The outdoor yeah, everyone had to like create their own outdoor spaces. Like it's, yeah. it's the biggest hypocrisy because we had like, this is like, you know, regular diner trying to create its outdoor space in like a parking lot on a main street <laughs> while ash from the fires are, bur- are blowing in the wind. And it's like, so we're, it's still safer to eat outside. Like what's going on here? So, oh, it, so okay. okay, some were more successful than others, yes. but I have to say that the San Francisco community, the, the small business community embraced it. They built, they, when they had the opportunity to get up and start moving outdoors, oh my gosh, did they, yep. they contracted with designers, they decorated, they created these, some of them were very basic, others were really elaborate, right. but they did it. And the public responded like, it, it was amazing. It, it was truly like a, it felt like an oasis, yeah. like, okay, the, the pandemic is here. We're dealing with it. We're all doing the best we can, but we have this, Yeah, this seems normal. It gives us a, a break from the misery, it gives yeah. the restaurant owners and the bar owners and the fitness centers, some, some revenue really, right. really important. Right. And then yeah. Then the mayor, Mayor Breed, and Dr. Grant <laughs> Colfax of the San Francisco Department of Public of Health said, okay, that's just not going to happen. Our, our, you know, it, our hospitals, they're beginning to kind of get a little bit full. This is before the state of California said that we had to close down. Right. Right now, we've got parklets throughout the entire city that are decorated for Christmas. Right. They have the Christmas decorations up. Yep. walking past them with a sign that says open please come in right and they're nothing but they're nothing but shells right if that doesn't make you break down as a just somebody who cares about your fellow human being right i don't know what does right. and i'm not talking of course you can have so much compassion for people who are ill and could get ill it does one doesn't negate the other it right. really doesn't you can't just say oh because we've got this terrible situation going on regarding public health. Therefore we can't care about people who are trying to feed their kids, trying to pay their bills, trying to exist, trying to create a San Francisco and keep it going that we can be proud of. It's a disaster. It's an absolute sheer disaster. London breed closed down these parklets weeks before the state of California said that they had to. Yeah. It was an atrocity. I, Nobody, very, very few people are now in support of her and support. When is she, when is she up in a year is next year when she's running or Uh, she'll be running. Oh goodness. I should know this. Uh, Two years. Okay. I think Garcetti, I think our Garcetti down here, maybe one year. Um, But even New York city's one year, like with those, they have cold weather. So they were given like, they had to fulfill these uh, ventilation and occupancy requirements and they did bend over backwards. And yet, you know, it's like you can almost smell when it's contagious. It's it's the reasoning of the viral reasoning that goes from those cities to cities. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they did it. Then we should do it. Except it's kind of ironic because it turns out that San Diego now is going to be forced to open up the the, yes. uh, the restaurants, right? The outdoor dining. Because hmm, it doesn't seem like there was a, <laughs> an issue with it after all. Right. Will California, will the rest of California follow suit? I certainly hope so. And I thought LA County, I think they had to like, you know, the 18th to prove likewise. And then if not, that's opening back too. So it's it's just such an odd, I almost feel like those making those decisions have a certain like divide and conquer mentality where the idea of like strip away any aspect of community, um, while doctors are dancing in the streets of Boston, encouraging you to come in while they should be overwhelmed with, with patients. But you know, that's mean, that's well, me getting... I bet something that, you know, in your indi- something that you probably know in your industry, yeah. right. But it's very easy to say, no, it's really easy to shut someone down. Right. Right. It's really hard to take on a challenge. It's really hard sometimes to say, yes, I'm going to be a maverick. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a risk. 
right? right? So most people don't take risks. Right. Therefore, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm just going to shut down. Yeah, it's probably best. Yeah, I'm, you know, and you end up with this culture of uh, where everybody's stymied. You can't get yeah. ahead. You, right. Nobody has gotten ahead by saying no constantly, by shutting things down constantly. Right. It, it, it is a, it's a sorry move. All right, going to take a little break from my talk with Erica to talk to you about Patreon.com. If you go to Patreon.com slash Funny Evan, that is the home of my podcast where I try to inform my patrons of all the things that are coming up and uh, they get to find out things before anyone else. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can support this podcast um, just like to help me have more time to interview more people because... I've had some pretty fascinating recent interviews of Facebook friends, and I have some even more uh, fascinating ones in the pipeline. So if you can go there, and there's a bunch of reward tiers, and I can kind of give back to you based on what your contribution level is, and really just check it out there. If you if you enjoy the podcast, just just go there and, and look for yourself. Patreon.com slash FunnyEvan, and let's get back to my talk with Erica. It, it's cowardly. And, you know, we were, we went out to Pasadena, like just walking around Pasadena last weekend. And again, it's like, what's the point? It's just like, it's a a depressing jaunt through like the heartland of, of Colorado and Lake. And it's, it's sad. I thought they were, I thought the city of Pasadena allowed outdoor, but I guess they didn't allow outdoor. And, you know, you can't call these restaurants. If you guys do want to support restaurants that are being forced to close, take out and delivery does not cut it as a business. No. Um, no. You want to you wanna find those that safely have their outdoor spaces, but they're not going to, you call them up, they're not going to tell you that. You got to, you know, on the down low, you have to find ways to support these businesses. There are few and far between that are openly like, we got a lawyer in Thousand Oaks, there's the pizza cookery. Like, we got a lawyer, come on in. Tin Horn Flats in Burbank, Adam Corolla ain't there like last night come on in. We're going to have outdoor spaces. So, you know, takeout's not enough. And I know that like, yeah, it's not. Yeah. If I can just jump in with that, one of the reasons takeout is not enough is because the people who are greatest or some of the people who are most impacted are people like busboys and servers and the kitchen staff. When you narrow it down to just takeout, all those people aren't working, right? Right. They're the ones who don't make very much money. They're the ones who may not qualify for unemployment or not be able to get it for various reasons. Um, They lose. They lose. The restaurant may possibly be able to kind of keep on going on a skeletal staff, on the skeleton staff, but everybody else, they're on the streets and they are. Yeah. And And it's, it's not right. If anybody cares about the working person, this is, this is wrong. It's irresponsible because you have no program in place. Like, okay, we need you to shut down for three weeks. Just submit to get your grant for these three weeks and we will, and you'll be okay. But there's no PPP loan. There's no stimulus. There's no anything, you know, they'd rather spite the other aisle than spite and come together. So um, it's rough. And the grant is a joke. It's a $5,000 grant. Yeah. If you qualify. And right. in order to qualify, you have to be a minority-owned business. Well, not everybody's a minority-owned business, right? So that's one of the qualifying factors. Right. And most of these parklets cost owners upwards of $15,000. Yeah. And most of them also took out loans to finance it. So they're going to be paying interest on it. Yeah. it's the, You tell the, me how that's fair. You know, I'm a, that's the ultimate, you know, it's the ultimate prison you want you they it's what you want because it like it gives you it gives them leverage but you know what are you going to put there in all these empty spaces when it's all done so i my theory also with with like the home obviously the, the homeless are are perfectly okay um they're safe and they're sanitizing and and all that um you know firsthand <laughs> because we're not putting any attention on them so they must be doing everything right um you know firsthand because you as one of your, I don't know if you initiated this yourself, you went into the, to, to the belly of the homeless beast to score, to score drugs. Basically we were, I think it was a nice little, like, you know, we guess sometimes how many jelly beans are in the jar. 
we can guess how many syringes were in your jacket um, by the end of your experience. So, yeah, so what, what was the, yeah, what was the genesis of what you wanted to create and, and what came out of your little uh, field operation? Well, one of my, one of my most um, vexing, one of the things that upsets me most of all is what we see on our streets, which is a, a, some of the, the most um, difficult, horrible situations regarding people who have addiction issues. Right. It's, it, people will not, you will not understand how bad it is. There's my phone. We're just going to ignore that. Uh, um, you won't understand how bad it is until... Yeah. Until you see, until you see people who are literally half dead on their street or dead. Right. So I decided to find out what was going on regarding the harm reduction um, situation, which is people who just give out syringes. They give out as much drug paraphernalia as the person needs or wants. Mm -hmm. So I went to a couple of these places. I went to three in a matter of two hours. I, I posed as a person needing Drug paraphernalia. I didn't even say what it was that I needed. I, w I just went to these did places. Do you have a I name? Said, Were you still Hi. Erica? Or do you have like a drug name? Were you just Erica or no? I was just Erica. Okay. <laughs> Erica um, yeah. So I had a hat. I had like a hat similar to yours. Put some sunglasses on, a mask. No one yeah. could see who I was. Um, I just showed up and I said, I, I need something. And they said, oh, what do you need? And I said, and I kind of, I kind of did like this, because I didn't even know what to ask for. And she's like, well, how about some needles? I said, oh. Oh, okay, what size? I'm like, I don't know. Okay, we're just going to give you a variety pack. So place after place that I went, I would get these big boxes of needles or bags of them, but not just that. I got fentanyl strips, which are um, uh, foil, right? And straws so I could, that I could smoke my fentanyl with, which by the way, is so deadly. We have over 300 people in San Francisco alone who've died from fentanyl overdoses alone. That is double what we've had for COVID. Just want to throw that out there, but we're giving them all the stuff to use it. I had armbands to tie off my arms. I had, you name it, I had it. It was astonishing. And yeah, we, there, I did do a contest for how many needles did Erica actually collect in, in three hours? Do you remember what the number was? Uh, my, I think I guessed like 90. I don't know what. what and you were way off. Oh, shoot. Uh, I think it was 174. So wait, where were you going to get these? Like, was there, you just going to like, was this on the street? Was this at clinics? Like what? Cause yeah. I know there were like laws so were like, we're going to pay people to smoke crack. So that, that way they don't try to get it illegally. That's like a Senator Wiener thing. But anyway. Yeah. There are many different there are many different places that you can go in this city. You get a schedule, what's open, when, where, right? So yeah. I went to the ones that just happened to be open that day. And I believe there were three or four open that day. One, I think one was just for transgender. So right, I wasn't right. sure if I could pull that off, but you know, who knows? So they're kiosks. They're like a, a door, a, an open door, South of Market, Polk Street, um, the Tenderloin, um, just show up. And they ask what you need or want, and they give you what you need or want. Also, that oh, and by the way, and a lot of uh, Narcon. So if I did overdose, or if my friend was overdosing, I would be able to. Well, if I were overdosing, I couldn't. But my friend might be able to if I if I had it next to me. Um, and I, I laugh and I, I smile when I talk about this, but it really isn't funny. We are in the middle of a crisis, and all the powers that be talk. Talk, talk, talk about harm reduction. There is no harm reduction. It's yeah. not being reduced. It's harm that's, enabling. That's the fact. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like you keep, you keep those people. You know, you you have to like detox them. I feel like my strategy for the homeless would have been like detox them. Just get oh. them. They have to like go through some mad withdrawal, but they will need to be, you know, have some nutrients or something. What to to replenish them why, why have we gone in this direction instead of saying you know what we are going to provide people with the best care we're going to help them get off drugs we're going to give them the, the mental illness uh, the psycho uh, psychological help that they need right oh oh no 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 we'll just throw needles at them 
And that's what we've done. And in fact, that's that. That's another story that I worked on, which was about what's happening in the homeless hotels, where the hotels were that were opened up for people who were homeless. Yeah. They do as many drugs inside the hotel rooms as they do outside. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Right. We gotta help them get off drugs. Look quick, put yeah. them in a hotel. I know. Even the ones with the hotel bars, sure. Uh, the mini bars in the room. There wasn't a single hotel, and there's there are quite a few. I think there was 25 on the list so far. Not a single hotel was set aside for sober living. Not one. Wow. Not one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just it it's some it keeps it keeps something going that's not healthy. It keeps something it it's it keeps supporting some kind of evil narrative. That that's what it seems like. You know, yeah. I I try not to jump to conclusions, and yeah. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm saying is I'm trying so hard to think. Is there? Do they have? Do they know something I don't know? You know, what am I missing here? And uh, I, two plus two always equals four. So don't mess with me. If it equals five in your world, you better freaking explain why it equals five. And it better be rational. And so far, they keep saying it equals five. And yeah. it's, it's not, it's not rational. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I feel like it's a component to a, a bigger dystopian idea, ideology that just doesn't make sense to to the majority and it's just no. the yeah we just we just we've exposed that in our in our part of the country the wrong people are are in charge and obviously we're starting to take action in that direction um i've been doing a lot down where i am with the recall i've been dropping off petitions getting some here okay. and there but is it but does it gain any traction where you are what with a recall for Garcetti or for no 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 Newsom Newsom, Newsom. <laughs> that's amazing that is gaining wild traction and this is the first week where like now everyone knows about it which is interesting because we weren't getting press for the last several months mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's it's odd I mean I know they they hired a an advisor that's maybe been helping them get the extra coverage but to see like the AP bite on it and to see like yeah. TMZ put. Corolla's video out and all that other stuff. It doesn't, but the thing, the thing we have to remember is like, it doesn't equate to signatures. So, you know, a lot of volunteering and grassroots and donations still have to take place. Um, I always look to see like, I wonder where the locations are up where you are. And I think in San Francisco itself, there's not necessarily going to be a gun shop where it's like, come on down and sign and turn in. Um, I guess it, it would maybe, I don't know. Any, well, any... Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, San Francisco, we are a classically liberal city, right? Um, progressive, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's going to be really tough to sell it on certain for cer for certain subjects, right? Um, guns is not, is not going to fly. No, no. Um, I'm not even I'm not even sure things like personal freedom because we, we tend to be very like all for one and all for all, you know, right. kind of thing. But it's 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 when you really can't pay your bills. Yeah. It's when you are really truly facing extreme hardship and people are facing extreme hardship. Yeah. That's what gets the bodies to the, to the polls. Yeah. That's what does it. That's what puts signatures on the paper. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of anger that we never saw before. Yeah. And it's among people who are liberal along yeah. who would always, always vote progressively. I've had yeah. people come to me and say, I would never in a million years vote for a, a Republican. Right. But I've got to get this guy out. Right. I've got to get him out. Right. And I mean, whoever repl would replace him, I mean, if it's the right Democrat, fine. I just, you know, there's no finish line for what he's planning. And I bet, and I'm, my, my perception is part of the reason there's no finish line is he's going to wait until the recall deadline passes to maybe... Mm -hmm free up some some establishments but it's odd you know even if, it, even if it doesn't work right and i'm pretty hopeful but even if it doesn't work you know what he did realize right people hate him <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's like you know that's actually a good thing is that when you know that you are universe or not universally but close to it reviled yeah that's a that's a gut punch that yeah. says 
I'm doing something wrong and I am going to have to change. So I really don't care. Do the right thing then. Yeah. If you know, if we're going to, if we're going to be stuck with you, but we still hate you yeah. do the right thing. Otherwise he's going to be harangued until, you know, for years to come. Yeah. That's why I think like, pretty- yeah. Can you, can you even compare? I don't know. We have like the three, we have Cuomo in New York. We have Newsom out here. And then we have Whitmer in Michigan. Can you compare the three? Could you like, from a journalist's perspective, like, can you compare those three governors? Like I'm trying to, I'm By trying the way, to they're not, I'm not even saying like, I think like the shape, the, the governor in Georgia, I think he's shady too. And he's Republican, but I mean, these are like the three that seem to have citizens the most peeved. Um, well, let me do a little bit of like backtracking regarding San Francisco. So okay. London breed actually is not as reviled as a lot of other large scale po- uh, politicians are. So I'm going to set her aside because right. there are some, she kind of comes off as moderate and she wants to, I actually believe that she does want to do the right thing. She just doesn't know how to do it. So right. we can forgive a certain amount of being inept, right? right. Or inexperienced. We could, that, that, that makes people a little bit more compassionate or empathetic, yeah. right? Yeah. Newsom, people do not give him that same kind of uh, latitude. Right. Garcetti, no, and definitely not Cuomo at this stage because they're seeing the effects of a bad decisions made with full disclosure when they know how bad something is and they do it anyway. Right. They feed that fire. Yeah. I, I honestly, I can't say one is worse than the other. Yeah. They're they're all doing something that they know is going to have a detrimental effect. And in the in the words of a young lady who was talking about the environment, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Uh, they dare. Yes. Um, what I guess I'll we we've been pretty hardcore on on all of the current scene. How how have you found? How did you get into journalism initially? Like, what drew you to that that area, that vocation? Um, this is a I'm well-rounded a interview we're doing. Oh, I know. I'm a ham. Yeah. Um, I started out working for a nonprofit organization, and I gravitated to the. Uh, I loved. I loved talking about our message on camera. I just mm-hmm. really believed in it, and I wanted to be that person up there with talking about it with with reporters. Yeah. And then when I did, I thought, wow, this is this is something I actually can do. You know, I really yeah. love messaging. I love it. I love communicating. I love getting that word out. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's something, that's an avenue I wanted to explore. Then I sort of was not so happy with my organization. So I wrote a personal finance book because the organization was a personal finance yeah. a, a nonprofit. And it did really well. It was a financial book for young families. And the day it hit the shelves, I left. Yeah. I just I walked out the door. And I said, <laughs> it was a great moment. Um, but that was, that was when I started my freelance reporting career is because I thought I want to get this message out. And I started slowly uh, yeah. writing, for, writing for companies for free, doing some blogging. Yeah. And then it just took off. I got a column. And then as soon as I got the column, an advice column, I was off to the races. It really was amazing. And I love, I do love being in front of the camera because yeah. I think it's still an amazing medium. Yeah. Um, I, um, I can't say I prefer it to writing because writing, I really get to kind of dig in and be very detailed. But I guess I, I just, I really, I want people to know what's going on. It's so important and I loathe lies. And so it's my opportunity to be able to say, this is what's happening and I want to tell you about it. And if you want to come and dispute it, let's go. And so far, almost nobody does because I, I'm an equal opportunity truth teller. I don't care where I go. I'll be on Tucker Carlson. I'll be on Fox News. I'll be on CNN, MSNBC. It doesn't matter. <laughs> truth is truth. Yeah. I'll say it wherever. I'll say it to you. <laughs> and you, you have, so you would have like one up on someone who say was reporting for the same network day after day after day, because yeah. you can kind of branch off on your own and just give like mm-hmm. 
more of a you know a pure viewpoint than when you're like oh we're not allowed to say that because our sponsor is so and so and you know we got to go on the download exactly right because it doesn't fit with our messaging right well you know to hell with that I'm never going to I mean I'll be polite I totally I absolutely believe in etiquette and being being caught I do but I will to to change your message to change the information based on who is going to be absorbing it? Yeah. Absolutely not. It's yeah. wrong. It's wrong. And that's what we see over and over again. So yeah, that, that's why. That's that's why I started ever, and that's why I keep going. Have you ever come in contact with like, have you had like an article like shadow banned or censored for certain reasons? Or was there anything you read um, recently? Since I have it stepped up? had some pretty bad experiences lately. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I was doxxed lately. What does that was, mean to be docs? Oh, let your stuff out. They let your info out. Uh, I yeah. this uh, this person tried to get me fired from yeah. you know ruin some client base and right. It was pathetic, but it was a little bit like what the hell? Why? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm just telling the truth. That's right. Um, That's why. <laughs> you know, I, I, to me, it's all very simple. Like. Yep. I get the information, I disseminate it. That's what I do. And yeah, of course, I have some opinions too, and I'll share them. But um, uh, shadow band, yeah, probably. I don't really keep right. too much track on that. I've got a really nice um, Twitter following. Um, oh, cool. And they are all real. No bots in my <laughs> you know, in my bucket. Um, they're, they're real amazing people. And they come from all walks of life. Oh. Hey, I am in the middle. I'm an independent politically um most of my family members are very very liberal and i have to respect that and i do respect that i my aim is not to my aim is not to have people hate me it's just to simply get what they need to make informed decisions yeah i know i mean i twitter following is key i mean i know there were for a time as a comedian i was like I did the Fiverr gig where it's like, you get 20,000 new followers, but I knew they were all bots and they were all going to get taken away soon. But I thought maybe they'd be real. So I started messaging the bots like, how are you? But they never wrote me back. Just to say, there's, you can't, you got to go. It's good to have all authentic followers yeah. on social media. Yeah. Um, and people you don't want to block. That's good too. Yeah. 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 Um, good. So I, I did mention to you, I mean, are if you, if everything was open, how would you be spending your time? What would you be doing? What, what? Girl, I would be so drunk. <laughs> no, no. I I before the last shutdown, right? I went to I think three or four restaurants and had three or four dinners because nice. I was preparing. I love restaurants and cafes and bars, and if there was live music, by all means. When we open up again, God willing, yeah, um, it's going to be a nonstop. I will get up in the morning, and I will visit as many places as I possibly can. Um, I'll go broke most likely, yeah. but you know. But it'll be a better <laughs> I'll place. I love food. You know, I love being right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. You'll see me tripping down the streets, down the hills of San Francisco. Yeah. Her stomach is distended and she doesn't seem to be quite sober. It's my city. It's my city. Um, I guess before before I let you go, do you, do you have any questions for me? Do you, this is our first conversation since you phone interviewed me about 85. I don't know. I do. One of the most, you did something that was really bold and very important is that oh, you threw your hat into the political ring. You did try. Ugh. That alone is a, a wonderful, amazing thing to do. Are you going to do it again? Do we get you back? Yeah. <laughs> but that's actually- I would, I would really like to run in 2022 for something. I just okay. don't know when I want to make that decision. Uh-huh. Um, I had a unique opportunity where the state senator was not running a bite with anyone who was on the ballot. Uh-huh. So I ran as a, so the Libertarian Party called me and was like, they called me my, my home line and I miraculously answered it. And um, I just, I was, I was like, they're like, you know, you're, he's running on a pose. Do you want to run? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't like some great, like I had a dream or a vision. It was just like, sure. 
And um, it all came together really fast. And I threw it together really well for the month or six weeks that I had a, a campaign. I could have done a little bit more and realizing that I've been, as I've been going around door to door in my neighborhood for Newsom's recall, um, I could have yeah. done more. I was 140 votes short of making it to the general. And my, the, the person that did make it, she, you know, she lost 35% to 65%, but you know, to say that I would have had like over a hundred thousand people vote for me would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't have been enough for me. And if I were to do it again, I'm not even sure what party I would do it as. Um, I would, I would love to do it. It's, it would just, it's, it'd be just, you're going on like almost like a reverse vector. It's like, I'm running to be political so that we can be less bothered by politics. So, I mean, I kind of live vicariously through what Kevin Kiley's been doing and mm-hmm. how much he can get done and, but how much also he can't get done. So like, do I want to have the most insane people in the state around me at all times? That's what I have to take into account because the people I'd be working with, I know I could name them now, but it wouldn't be worth it. I could name seven to 10 people that currently have elected positions that are flat out vile and it would not help to name them. We know who a lot of them are, but do I really want that in my space? While I did get I did get my, you know, like my Google search results messed with my algorithms messed with by evil people because really? they started right. Well, you know, I just knew there were like, there was one guy, one hardcore troll that, you know, posed and in three different pages, like I had to block him three times and it, that was nothing. I knew it was coming. It's the first thing like to have my campaign good, like wanting to do well campaign video shared among you know, the creatures of the night and then have them comment and, you know, vandalize it was rough, but I have other ways I can make a difference. Um, So if I don't do it again, I'm okay with it. If I'm still living in, you know, my wife and I have talked about moving as I'm sure more than half of Californians have talked about possibly moving as most of our friends have already been moving to Georgia, Nashville, Florida, Texas, and so on, Tennessee. But I would love to. I think I have a I have good bases of people that would support me. Mm-hmm. I've been keeping those political accounts alive and active in case. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I would love to be like Luce Rivas, Assemblywoman in my district. I'm coming for you in 2022. I would love to say that to her right now. But I need to know if. It depends. Is is Benitez going to try to run against her again and lose again? So I don't know. It just it depends on the opportunity. I would have to see like what what's the best way. Do I really? I love what I'm. I've I didn't get elected, but I have not been busier since not advancing to the general election. Mm-hmm. Personal finances have been great. Never been better. Um, the impact I've made on other people's lives. My art has never been better and more fulfilling to me even though I haven't been able to be in front of an audience. So I would, I would love to, um, I I've seen comedians get elected Al Franken, even crazy people like wacky, like Jesse Ventura, you know, things, things have happened. So it's a, it's a loaded question. I would love to do it, but I knew I would know what I'm getting into. And it's not, a. I would, you know, if I were, if they, if people were to ask me about, what do you think about this issue? I would reply, it doesn't matter because <laughs> you just need to have a less crazy person in the position of who's there right now. Mm-hmm. That's all it comes down to because we get to see the charade of trying to impeach someone, trying to like go around someone like both sides are nuts. And that draws me away from picking a side. And it's why I ran third party, right. but if you're just going to be more interested in sabotaging one another, when the truth of the matter is they're on the same side for the wrong reasons, which is why there's been segmented resistance to what's been going on since November 3rd. I'm woke enough to do it. I don't know if I want to, it depends on my, my mental health and if it's the greatest good for me to do it. Yeah. You know, cause really as much as we're life or death over Trump or Biden, a president does not have 
the most control over your life. It's, it's the individual. And, you know, that's why we're stick keeping restaurants open. And that's why we're uh, marching and doing grassroots activities, whether it is for more racial equality, LGBT equality, which are issues I would love to talk about because I do think they get shafted. And I think immigration is very a uh, convoluted issue. And I, I've helped people that have been in this country illegally and deserved, they deserve to be in this country, but there has to be some more order put in. And I, I think it, it helps to have these, it helps those in power to have these issues not handled because if the issues were not handled, if they were handled, it, you know, God forbid. <laughs> yeah. I actually posed this on Twitter not too long ago, which yeah. is, well, what do they get out of, what do, what do our local politicians get out of destruction? Right. And it's a, it is a, a very strange question, but it is what's happening. Like, well, wouldn't you want the whole world to look at what you've done in your community mm-hmm. and say, I've made it better. I've made it safer, cleaner, more vibrant businesses are coming here. People love to visit. Families are, are you know, are proud. And it's, it's the opposite where people are ashamed and depressed. They must be getting something out of it. Yeah. One day we'll, I will find out that answer. And when it, when I do, I will let you know. I think if, yeah, there has to be this, this big acknowledgement. Cause like people are always like saying, Oh, people do this. Why is everyone crazy? Why is everyone nice? Why is everyone this, everyone that you have to understand there's a, and this is just from my own learnings and philosophies and whatever um, faiths that there is a deliberate like minority of people that do like to watch the world burn. Correct. That is just, you have to, it's not that they're there. It's you have to recognize when it's actually, when they're one of them. Right. And when it, or if it's someone that's been driven crazy, that seems to be the one, but is really just connected to the one that is driving them crazy. True. So that's just what I've experienced for myself. And it, it, there, there is much, much is to be made. It's again, it's, it's total merchants of chaos mm-hmm. and um, chaos sells. It's the reason why, you know, good, good people can be attacked is because we, they don't, we don't sell solutions and, but you can sell truth. And which is why I love what you're doing is because you sell truth and you sell empathy. And, uh, if you, you know, you, and that's why you have as many clients as you do, I think. And, uh, it's pretty dope. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> where can, can you, do you want to plug some of your, your publications where, where you're at or do people um, just go to I, one? Why? I mean, you'll, you'll find me all over the place. If you go, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I publish almost everything there. Yeah. So you, you'll see it on Twitter or yeah. I mean, if you Best. That's probably the best way because okay. it's most efficient. Okay. Um, I don't do Instagram for some reason. Like, I never figured out how I could transition what I do into images. So yeah. I just do, do Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, what I could have done on Instagram. I could have done this with you on Instagram, but I'm like, I know I have, like my podcast is about my Facebook friends. So yeah. I'm like, let's do this on Facebook. So yeah, yeah Twitter is um, Erica J. Sandberg. Great. Pretty simple. Great. Come on over. <laughs> Excellent. Come on over and spend time with her. Go to a restaurant with Erica. She's good people. Good. If I ever get up to San Francisco, we're going to just sit in restaurants, whether they're open or not. Yes. Um, yes, we will. And, but we'll, we'll wear what we have to wear um, yep. or which will be, I don't know, sunglasses. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad I got to an awkward place. That's what I wanted. Um, but again, you have the Acropolis in the background. So that kind of goes with everything. Okay, so before, I, before I let you leave, I want to ask you a quick question. Yes, please. Was, I could just, could I just be, inter- can I just schedule you like. Your favorite comedian. Right, well, first I would like to schedule you to just like interview me in general, just like maybe 20 minutes a week. And it makes me feel important when someone was an oh, actual cool. writer interviews. My favorite comedian. Uh, I grew up, I love Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler growing up with the movies um, stand up Stephen Lynch was a comedian that let me know guitar comedian comedy is viable. Uh, he's a funny guitar comedian, uh, Stephen Lynch and Dave Attell comedian from Long Island. 
it's not so much that he's he's a filthy individual. It's that he's very simple and his punchlines get to it, get to the point very clearly. And even like a friend of mine, Ryan Neemiller, who was a uh, third America's Got Talent third place recently. Um, same thing. Very simple stand up delivery um, does not shy away from the fact he has a physical disability. And, you know, dude, dude's a dude's a dude's a how dude's like a horse. He just keeps going. Well, good. I'll have to. Uh, I'll. Women are fine too. Jessica Kirsten is like my favorite female. She's just so really? silly. Jessica Kirsten. She has to- she has a Comedy Central special called "Talking to Myself," because um, she does this bit where like she'll sometimes like have like a talk to herself like off to the side if she does something like that's embarrassing to her like on stage. It's very funny. Uh-huh. She's someone you should look up. She's a friend of Bill Burr. Bill Burr was nice enough to to get her a special, so she's funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, then I'll tell you who I like. Good I love Heather McDonald. I think she's hysterical. Adam Carolla. Yes. Um, and then my probably my all time favorite is Mel Brooks. Yeah. That's so, right. You told me. Yes. Oh, I did. Yeah, that's right. You told me you mentioned, mentioned you love Mel Brooks. <laughs> and he's still kicking. He's still doing stand up. Yeah, that's great. Never, I keep going. Keep doing it. Yeah. I know. I feel like I this like I feel like I might be my most famous when I'm that age. That's my. I that's my pers. I feel like just like, cause I'll never stop doing this. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll still, I like, I'll still do colleges and they're like, they're half my age. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I'll go there. Yeah. Funny. Funny. Yep. All right. I'll let you go. We'll go to your Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll go and reverse engineer this to turn this into a, something you can find on iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio and everywhere else. Um, but thank you. Go, go right. My dear, go, go. To make, wake up, From wake up the city. <laughs> wake up the city. Uh, Reese, yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. I'll see you. All right. I want to thank Erica for taking out the time to talk with me and let me interview a reporter for a change or a, a person of the media, I guess. Uh, we are at Awkward with Evan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, awkwardwithevan.com. And uh, so much more, so many old episodes, your your or new episodes uh, in the pipeline. And there's a lot uh, you can do to share, subscribe, and review this podcast so that more people see it. Um, I have some great things in the pipeline. I have a great musician that I've already recorded with. I have a great uh, Theta Chi fraternity brother that's actually about to leave Facebook. So I'm kind of in a rush to get that one out. And uh, I might even have someone with, uh, I don't know, I just don't want to get this friend arrested from interviewing her, but it should be uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, that's all I got. Um, That's the teaser. Uh, Stay awkward, because you know I will. Thanks for listening. Go to awkwardwithevan.com to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Now for Evan's mom to pick out his clothes for tomorrow. See you next time on Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. 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 Wexel.